You are now listening to the Hot Take Podcast, brought to you by Full Time Fantasy. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Josh Daddy. Time to make it hot. This is the Hot Take Podcast. And I am back in the driver's seat, guys. With you, as always, is Stephen Taroni, and I am joined by Josh Daly. Josh, how does it feel to be uh, in the passenger seat over there? Yeah, a little different than last week, but, you know, last week was a little different the week before. And right at, you know, at this point, our listeners don't really know what to expect. You know, with confidence, I can say that this week can be a little quarterback talking. I think we brought someone in that's very qualified to sit down and talk with us here. Yeah, that's right. We're going back into our positional rankings. Of course, you tuned in for the tight ends episode with Derek Brown, uh, Debro himself. Uh, And last year, of course, we had Mr. JJ Zachariason on for our QBs, and we have him back on for our top 10. What's going on, JJ? Not too much. Not too much. You know, we're uh, sitting here drafting our Scott Fishbowl teams and just hoping and praying and crossing our fingers that we actually get to utilize those teams and that the, uh, the NFL season happens. Yes, sir. And of course, uh, the Scott Fishbowl, you know, the biggest pro-am fantasy football tournament out there. Uh, Very exciting. Just be a part of that um, and have the opportunity to give back to to people in need, uh, specifically for fantasy cares and toys for tots. Um, And if you want to donate, you can go over to uh, paypal.com and then SFB Podathon, donate through there, or just go to fantasycares.net. Uh, it's really a good cause. Um, and then at the end of the year in December, uh, they have a shop, a shopathon for kids in need. Um, you know, they go through a store and they're able to get, you know, a bunch of toys for Christmas. And it's really cool. Um, you know, and I was just thinking about this, Josh, you know, it's just awesome what Scott Fish has done, you know, just to bring everyone together around this time of year and then give us the opportunity to give back. Yeah, I mean, everything about it is fun. I mean, I know a lot of people get annoyed with it blowing up their timeline, but um, you know, I shouldn't say a lot of people. There's like a select few, but right. I, mean, I, I like everything about it, man. Like I like, you know, it's a slow draft, first of all. So it has like a slow invite process, which I find uh, pretty amusing. And also, you know, just the entire kind of game within the game of like people, you know, coming up with these, in some cases, like our buddy Mick, um, just YOLO strategies where like Mick, for example, triple tight end to start off um you know and mix <laughs> mix saying he's either really dumb uh, or he's gonna look like a genius uh, but i think that's that's half the fun of it man and of course like you said it is all for a good cause um you know we made an appearance on the uh scott fish potathon shout out to salito and uh kevin and steve and those guys but you know they were they raised just from the potathon donations uh, i believe over 35k so uh, pretty fantastic. And, you know, they've kind of uh, have a select couple of charities that they're working for. But, you know, Scott himself will tell you, you know, if, if you are an advocate or a strong believer in a certain cause, you know, you don't have to go far to find one. Um, you know, just go ahead and donate whatever you can to, you know, whichever charity you want to. So it's, uh, you know, if you're looking for for ideas, hey, who's your favorite NFL player? You know, the My Cause, My Cleats campaign, you can kind of see a list of them. Uh, online you can even just kind of google search it or twitter search it and uh, you know all kinds of good causes and you know definitely want to encourage others out there to donate as well 
JJ, we were talking off area, and you're at the 102 in Scott Fishbowl. Uh, how many years have you been in the Scott Fishbowl tournament? Oh man, I think this is probably six or seven. I mean, I've been I've been doing it for a while now. The last like three or four years though that I've done it, I've just been completely mediocre. Like no terrible teams, but no good teams. Um, so hopefully, hopefully things turn around this year. I feel good about the draft so far. You know, typically in these drafts where things are so unpredictable and uh, positions are being, you know, all four positions are being drafted at, at a high rate. You have no idea what, what position is going to be drafted next. Um, you know, you really have to read the room and that's how you really extract value. In the last couple of years, I've, I've walked away from the draft and I've made some mistakes, like very obvious mistakes, but this draft, I feel like, you know, I've been at the start of, of some runs rather than the end of them. Uh, and so, so far so good. So what division are you in and kind of, and you know, what was your, you know, you're at the 102, um, any strategies going in and then what has happened in the draft that has maybe made you kind of adapt to it? Yeah. So, you know, going in, um, I, I knew, you know, I, I, I still take some of the ideas that I, and, and stuff that I've researched in regular leagues, regular redraft leagues. Um, and I use those same sort of high level ideas for drafts like this. So for instance, uh, I've done studies on finding uh, league winners at running back and wide receiver, for instance. And what I found was if you want a top 10 running back or a top eight wide receiver, which is what I deemed as league winning players, just given some historical data. I know it seems arbitrary when I'm just reading it off like this. Um, but if you, if you really want a top 10 running back or a top eight wide receiver, uh, you have to spend to get those players. But the running back position is the one that you can get a little bit later compared to wide receivers. Um, and so a lot of people are saying, you know, wide receivers deep and it's easy to get wide receivers late. That's not entirely false. Uh, but at the same time, if you want a true difference maker, it's a lot easier to find that later at the running back position than the wide receiver position. So I'm sort of taking that idea um, and just using the scoring with this, you know, obviously adjusting my rankings that way and adjusting my, you know, the, the types of players that I would be drafting based on the scoring. Um, but I'm taking that general idea and, and, you know, using it within this draft, for instance, you know, RB2s historically have been really bad bets you know the rb like 15 to 25 to 30 range um so i'm just sort of avoiding those players in this draft that's that's generally what i've done so i've i anchored uh the running back position with saquon barkley and Kenyon drake and i've really just ignored the position i'm i'm now in the end of round 10 um or about to have my 10th round pick and i haven't gotten another running back yet uh you know I, i had some values with chris godwin falling to me at 411 uh and then i drafted dj Moore in the next round but then uh, you know, the, the draft ended up being pretty wide receiver heavy after I picked DJ Moore. So I was lucky to walk into Josh Allen and Jared Goff, you know, Josh Allen, not someone that I was really targeting in this thing, but, um, you know, the upside certainly there. So, you know, I, I think so far so good. Things have really, uh, worked out into to how I sort of wanted it to. You, you know, I, I love that you talk about, you know, the wide receivers being deep every year and people, you know, have that sort of mindset that, you know, hey, look, you can you can wait on wide receiver. You know, and now the big thing is zero wide receiver for this tournament. Um, and, and I think for 2020 in general, but to grab a top tier running back is so important. So to grab one at least and then if you want to target the wide receivers, I think I'm all for that. Um but at the same time, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and then, Josh, you can speak to this real quick. The running back is deep. Um, I mean, you're talking about guys like Marlon Mack and Damian Williams, who we've talked about on the show before. They're going pretty late. You know, Ronald Jones, another guy who could be, you know, walking into he, he's going to get maybe 200 carries in a Tom Brady offense. So it's like these guys are available late. 
Yeah, you know, uh, eighth, ninth round for these guys in you know my current draft that I'm in, and we just we might we might get a live pick here, man. I just I just kind of slid to the on deck spot after uh, a few a few more QBs and tight ends off the Ooh. board, but uh, but yeah, I agree. Lot of good non quarterback value kind of sliding down the draft, especially in uh, my division. I'm in the uh, the Radio Flyer Red Wagon division, and um, just, you know, for an example, uh, you know, six at the 601, I'm a little higher on Gardner Minshew than most. And I think I'm like the second highest player. Uh, so that's definitely some evidence of that statement, but, um, only one person drafted him higher than that. But for me, it was almost out of necessity. He was the QB 20 taken, uh, to, for me to start the sixth round. So, uh, that's one of the things that's kind of caused some of these values to, um, you know, slide down the board. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. Like I was not planning on taking a wide receiver super early. Uh, and yet at the turn, you know, I started off with the state, the Saints stack of Thomas and breeze. Uh, so then I kind of, I, I wouldn't say I panic drafted running back. I love, uh, I love the guys that I got in uh, CEH, David Johnson and Mark Ingram. Uh, but then having to kind of, um, I don't know if I would call it a reach on Minshew, but he, that's earlier than most are taking him. Um, but happy to still land, you know, DK and Hollywood in the at the seven eight uh, seven eight turn. Yeah, I love I love the way your team turned out. Even though like I'm not a big Minshew guy, and six oh one to me seems high. And then obviously, you know, you're you were the second highest. Um, but you had to, you know, you had to do what you had to do in that draft with the QBs flying off the board. My division, uh, the starting line division, QBs haven't really been flying off the board like that. There was a wide receiver run actually in the second round. Um, so I've just been kind of – I just hammered the running back position. Leonard Fournette fell to me at 410. So kind of like uh, Godwin for you, JJ. I was like, all right, well, yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't just keep letting him slip. I'll, I'll take that value. And right. then Le'Veon Bell at 503, which I, I love that in the fifth round for him. So, you know, I just hammered the running back position, which is so different than I ever play. So it's very interesting. Um, but, I, you know, that's another thing that this tournament does is it's like it makes you do things that you're not used to doing. Um, like, like Josh, like you were saying, like you don't have much of DK Metcalf, but that value you couldn't ignore. And then all of a sudden, you know, if you pair him with a Michael Thomas, you know, and DK Metcalf really hits along with Hollywood Brown, like what if Hollywood Brown hits too? Like that's just, you know, that's the kind of upside you want in a tournament like this. Yeah, and and for me, you know, I think we mentioned this when we had Ryan McDowell on last week, but my my personal strategy was that the first five, six rounds, you know, I was gonna give myself a little bit of leeway, and that ended up being the six the six oh one at Minshew, where I knew I was gonna have to maybe get a little uncomfortable with one of those picks. But for me it was all about the safety. And after that, yeah, I'm going upside. That's why I went Hollywood and DK. Um, but being kind of forced into the Minshew pick, I guess, um, you know, quote unquote forced, uh, I would, I, yeah, I know we're not planning on talking about this, but I'd like to get a real quick take from JJ on Minshew, because from when I went back and looked at the Jaguars games, really the only game that he didn't do that well in was the London game. And I don't know if that was maybe a few too many mustache rides or, or what going on the <laughs> night before, but there's, that was the only game where he didn't really look like he was comfortable every other game he looked super comfortable but um so i mean I, I you know i did it i pulled the trigger i had to take him um i'm just hoping he, hoping he can kind of show that same poise 
Uh, and if he has two bad games all year, hey, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Minshew's fine. You know, I, I don't mind him as sort of a, a later round. You know, obviously this is different because it's a super flex league, but a, a later round dart, Um, you know, with, with upside. Because the, the thing with Gardner Minshew that, uh, I mean, we know, and I'm sure a lot of people listening know, but but some people don't, is that he has that rushing floor too. Um, you know, he he provided a lot of, of fantasy points and at least, a, a, you know, if you get 20 to 30 yards a game on the ground, you're essentially removing an interception and one of those mistakes. Um, so I don't mind Minshew. No, I mean, he's just one of those uh, later round guys. There's there's a lot of them. You know, there's a lot of, you know, the quarterback position is deep. Um, but if you can get him at, at a discount, then I don't mind it at all. Yeah, 344 rushing yards. Um, so that was actually uh, one of the higher um, numbers. I, let me see. I think that is fourth at the QB position last yeah, year. And that's only in 12 games started and, and 14 games played. So, I mean, it's it, it it's you know, on a per game level, he's, he's really did a lot more with his legs. than I think people realize, and a lot of that had to do obviously too, with negative game scripts and scrambling, yep. but, but we should expect that this year with Jacksonville. They're not, they're not a good team. Yeah. That's yeah. really the only, you know, I mean, if, if he can kind of stay as consistent as he was last year, I figured he could take a small step forward as a realistic expectation. And then if he can just, you know, if, I know people hate to extrapolate, but I mean, that's a pretty easy projection when you're looking at he played about 75 percent of a season if we can add that other 25 percent on you know hey you know approaching 500 rushing yards is definitely realistic as well so um you you guys are making me feel a lot better about this well yeah and you know and he was fifth by the way in rushing yards uh, at the quarterback position so yeah I, i really love that floor there um and then top five baby and then yeah like jj said jaguar's not a good team and then you have dj shark dd westbrook chris conley these all might not be household names, but that's a good trio of wide receivers along with Fournette and now Chris Thompson out of the backfield. And Chris Thompson, you know, might be just meh, but he is one of the better pass catchers at the running back position. So at least you have that. I mean, you know, I, 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 like, I definitely like Minshew as your QB2 to go along with that team. The way you constructed that team is great no matter what, like, ADP you got Minshew at. So let's go from like an average quarterback to a really good one. Uh, let's get into our top 10. Um, and of course, my one is the $500 million man. It's Patrick Mahomes. Um, does anybody have Lamar Jackson at one? I do, but it's very, very close. I mean, my projections came out. Um, you know, I, I don't rank based on projections by any means, but I definitely use them as sort of like a baseline to get a good idea of, of where ceilings are and where floors are for certain players. Um, and Lamar Jackson came out like four points ahead of Mahomes. So it's one of those situations where I could go either way. They're in the same tier. Um, I'm likely avoiding both in redraft, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't fault you for putting Mahomes there. Yeah. For me, it's like regression with both guys. I feel like positive regression for Mahomes in the touchdown department. Um, and then, you know, negative regression for, for Jackson. It's just Jackson, you know, what, if he gets you 800 rushing yards, I mean, come on, like what is his floor of the rushing so, like, Jackson can't be lower than, you know, your third quarterback, in my opinion. Uh, Josh, where are you at with number one? I still have Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, looking at what he did last year with the injury and everything um, and seeing Jackson lead the league in touchdown passes, you know, raise your hand if you if you put a prop bet down on that. Um, right. <laughs> but that was – you know, feet within itself. Uh, same with you. You you know, you mentioned the uh, possibility for regression. 
in both directions on both of these guys. And I won't spend a ton of time here telling you guys why I think um, Patrick Mahomes is, is good <laughs> because uh, you know, one thing I do want to say though, that I thought was really cool yesterday. I don't know if it was Warren Sharp or someone tweeted it out. Uh, it was a 2017 preseason highlight reel of Patrick Mahomes. And he's absolutely ridiculous. It, like it's <laughs> in like, uh, what a few a few weeks worth of workouts and, and leading into you know his first couple of preseason games, um, it's just insane. Like these across the body pinpoint accurate throws. Um, for me, that's why I have him number one. Is just his arm talent is is so far superior to almost anyone I've ever seen. I mean, I I don't I just don't remember seeing someone that can not only you know launch deep balls with ease, but just pinpoint accuracy and the the level of ridiculousness on his throws. Uh, you know, he's also mobile as well. So it's, it's, uh, he's just, it's, it's hands down. It's Mahomes for me. I shouldn't say hands down because I have Lamar a close second, but these guys are both fantasy studs and I don't, there's probably no, no need to waste any more time talking about it. Yeah. I just want to say that, you know, with Mahomes, what I really view him as like, the Aaron Rodgers just like amplified. I mean, that's what he did. It's kind of like how what Kobe did, you know, talking about anybody who listens to me or has followed my stuff and knows I'm a big basketball guy. Kobe kind of emulated Jordan's game and took it to another level. He took that range out like 30 feet, you know, and that's kind of what Mahomes has done. Like every throw that you've ever seen Aaron Rodgers make, just all the throws and then running to his left back shoulder all that, you know, Mahomes can do, but he just does it, you know, a little bit better, a little bit further, you know, with a little bit more heat on it. So um, that's just who he is. And that's why he's got that big contract, a huge contract. Um, so I, I have Jackson at two. Uh, and yeah, I, I just think that the touchdowns are going to come down. But that rushing floor, again, I think he's going to touch 800 yards at least. You know, it's hard to project back-to-back thousand rushing yard seasons for Lamar Jackson, but it could certainly happen. Um, I think that floor is eight hundred, uh, and then with that, he's just gonna—he's just gonna be really consistent for you and really, really good. JJ, who is your third quarterback? My QB three is Dak. Um, okay. I, I think that you can go either way. I have sort of Dak and Kyler in their own tier here at, at three four. Um, but we saw Dak last year, you know, finishes that top three, uh, top three passer and points per game. Um, they add CD lamb into the mix. Um, you know, I don't think Dallas is going to be as pass heavy as they were last year. It's going to be kind of hard for them to, um, but even still, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously got the rushing floor, but he now has that, that passing ceiling as well. I love the addition of CD lamb, uh, to play there in the slot for them. He has all the weapons in the world. It's just hard to not love Dak this year. You know, obviously when you, uh, factor in price, you might not be drafting him necessarily, but um, I've got him at QB3. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, career high in aver- average depth of target, A dot uh, 9.3, which is actually pretty good. And I think I'll bring that up again when I'm talking about some of these quarterbacks. But and it was also his first 30 touchdown season. So you like that. He had like three years straight, I think, of six rushing touchdowns that came down this year. He's going to give you that nice floor with the rushing touchdowns, either, you know, three to six in that range. Um, so that's pretty good to factor in. Touchdowns are always hard to project, but I think you can kind of put that floor at three touchdowns for him. Who is your third quarterback, uh, Josh? Yeah, I also have Dak. You know, he's been locked in as my quarterback three since right around the middle of last season. Honestly, you know, he still has the rushing upside. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, someone put together a like a highlight of all of Dak's rushing touchdowns, and you know they're just 
they're all they almost all follow like the same pattern. He's just kind of like taking what the defense gives him, which is kind of like a you know a steady theme with Dak. Um, but you got to love the multitude of targets there. You know, they add a guy. You know, you, if you replace Cobb with C.D. Lamb, um, and you know, shout out to the Dad Runner community. You, you replace <laughs> uh, you know Jason Witten with a with an ascending Blake Jarwin. Um, you know, it's, he's got a you know a nice stable there of guys and. Uh, like JJ said, he might not throw it as much, um, but he's been, you know, improving steadily uh, every year, you know, especially like in the touchdown department. But I feel like a very efficient season is ahead for that. Did you use the word stable on purpose? I feel like that was good. Like with Gallup and Lamb. I don't know. Does that make sense? Is there something oh, there? A little uh, unintended pun, but uh, I'm <laughs> glad you picked that out of there. <laughs> yeah, I got you, man. Um, I, I, yeah, I have Dak. I had him at three. And then I redid my list, as I told you before we went on air here. And I actually put Russ and Kyler ahead of him. So I have Russ at three. And because I keep, I just keep thinking about, you know, if DK really, you know, improves, which I think he's going to, and then you have Tyler Lockett there. Um, you know, what Russell Wilson has done for three straight seasons is 30 plus touchdowns and an A dot of over nine yards. And so 30 touchdowns, three of the last four seasons, he's just so damn efficient so consistently and it's just you know for me i've traditionally ranked russell wilson really low i'm just done doing it because because i just like you know the pass attempts aren't there the volume's not there they're a run first team you know what they might pass more this year than they've passed in a long time and if they do that you know what's going to happen you know if he just continues to be efficient so you know russell wilson is kind of like a dark horse qb1 the way I look at him, I, I really think his value could be that high. And then at number four, I have Kyler. I love that rushing floor. I think that he gives you a 500 yard rushing floor, 20 touchdowns last season. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't very good, you know, in the passing department, like as far as just like end of year stats um, and on a per game basis, I think you were unhappy with Kyler uh, a lot of times, but you add DeAndre Hopkins, you add a full season of Kenyon Drake, Second year in the league, um, and again, that rushing floor, I think, is so safe. So Kyler Murray, for me, you know, again, another dark horse candidate for QB1 overall, just because of the offense he's in um, and the talent he really has. Yeah, I have, uh, I have actually have Russ at number four. Uh, put him just ahead of Watson and Murray uh, because he does, uh, you know, have a couple of good supporting receivers there and gets also Greg Olson now, where and so instead of having to kind of turn these – no name tight ends uh, since Jimmy Graham uh, that are into these fantasy uh, viable free agents. Uh, you know, he now gets a guy in Greg Olson that's not only going to bring like a, a veteran presence to the to the team. Uh, I think that he's going to be a nice option for Russ. And it, Russ Russ is already you know crazy efficient. So it's uh, it's going to be incredible. You know, after all the like you said, you're you're sick of ranking Russ too low. I'm sick of kind of uh, you know writing off Tyler Lockett and expecting this, uh, right. you know, inefficiency. And, and I mean, at this point, if you take the track record of these guys and the upside of DK Metcalf, like we were just talking about, and then it sprinkle in a little Greg Olson and maybe some, some Antonio Brown rumors, you know, I don't know what AB does to this team. Um, you know, he could be a cancer or he could be a, you know, that, that catapult that kind of gets them over the hump again, but it's, it's definitely uh, an option where I have, Russ ranked just ahead of the other two guys. For me, this four or five, six range 
was really tough for me, but I have Russ just a shade ahead of my next two quarterbacks. Yeah, and then with Russ and Kyler, just the similarities are there across the board for you know what Kyler could be, um, you know, with this type of quarterback. JJ, who do you have at number four? Yeah, at number four, I have Kyler. Uh, you know, I, I can talk about Russ here too after you guys sure. uh, talked him up a little bit. Um, I, I don't disagree. I've, I've Russ at five. I just. You know the the difference I think is that and and last year I was lower than consensus on on Russ too, um, but at the same time you know the I, I don't think the process was necessarily wrong. Uh, when you look at the way that he scored points last year, a lot of it was based on him blowing up in games at the start of last season. Um, but when that team sort of didn't have those insane negative game scripts, uh, Russ wasn't really doing what he was doing. You know the first six or so games of the year, the final ten games. He only had three performances where he ranked higher than QB 14. Um, and of course, you know, so so what I'm basically saying is I agree that he has the QB one ceiling uh, if Schottenheimer decides to open things up a little bit in that offense. Uh, my fear is that the floor is actually a little bit worse than what we might get out of a Kyler or a Dak, uh, given the, the rushing ability of both guys, given the weapons that Dak has, and then the, you know, the confidence that we have in the passing attacks for those teams as opposed to Russ. There are still question marks around Brian Schottenheimer led offenses, right? Um, and with Kyler Murray too, the other thing, you know, to your point about him not having a strong passing season, he only had a 3.7% touchdown rate. That touchdown rate was like under 2% for a large portion of the year last year until basically right. the second half. Uh, so if Kyler really turns that around, and he should, especially given DeAndre Hopkins is there, um, if he can turn that around, he has QB1 upside as well. Um, so I, I just, I like the floor a little bit more with Kyler. I like the situation a little bit more with Kyler, but of course I can't fault anyone for putting Russell Wilson there. Oh, and just think of what happens when David and Joku is traded there. Yeah. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, Kyler, like you have to look at that. Um, and I think a lot of people would say, you know, that 3.7, oh man, well, yeah, I'm not drafting him or I'm, you know, why is he ranked that high? Well, you have to just assume that that improves at the very low number, that, uh, TD ratio there. Um, so yeah, these, these guys are all lumped in the same, the same kind of tier, I would say. Um, and then Deshaun Watson, who we haven't mentioned yet, he's at my, uh, number six. Uh, do you guys have him at five? Sorry. I, I have, I have Deshaun at six. I have Russ at five. Okay. And then where are you at Josh? Uh, I got uh, Murray at five and Watson at six. And it's just because, you know, of the exchange of goods at the skill positions that these two teams, right. um, foolishly and slash brilliantly uh, pulled off this, this off season. Um, you know, if you're going to take nuke from one and uh, you know, give David Johnson back, but you have uh, Kenyon Drake to back him up. Uh, I just feel like as a whole, you know, you can expect the Cardinals offense, like JJ already alluded to, to some of the touchdown efficiency numbers. And you can just expect that to kind of improve as a whole across the board uh, in general. And I do expect the offense for the Texans to kind of, you know, uh, take a step back from where they were last year, um, just because you're replacing a nuke with the oft injured Will Fuller and Randall Cobb. Um, so just kind of the, the complimentary pieces were what were the tiebreaker for me, but yeah, I mean this, this four five, six range is, it's just knotted up. I think the real discussion starts to be after that sixth QB is, you know, where you'll see some variance in a lot of rankings. I agree completely. And JJ, you can talk about Deshaun Watson real quick, but uh, you know, is is this offense? Because like for me, the way I'm picturing this offense, especially you lose Hopkins. When I think about it, I think of it as almost underwhelming. But then you just look closer. It's like Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, 
you know, Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb comes in, you know, that's not somebody that's like very sexy that we're thinking about. Um, but then you bring in David Johnson, who we know is a good pass catching running back. Like we might be sleeping on this Texans offense. I mean, how do you, how are you looking at this offense, JJ? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think that that it's easy to compare. And I mean, this is why I think Deshaun Watson should be ranked where we have him ranked here at six, because you look at every other quarterback ahead of them and they, you know, the, the only guy who doesn't have better weapons is Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson's doing crazy, crazy things with his legs. So right. with Desha- with Deshaun Watson, though, I mean, he's going to have the rushing floor. I mean, Watson's going to if he's healthy, he's walking into a top 10 season because of what he can do running with the football. Um, but I'm I'm actually kind of intrigued by all the moves that they've made uh, because we could see an increase in a dot. Um, he has two two pass catching backs now with with Duke Johnson and David Johnson. Um, I, I don't mind the personnel. You know, if we were to take a step back and not compare and contrast it with and without DeAndre Hopkins, we'd probably say that his weapons were average, you know, across the league. It's not like he has these horrible weapons. They were better with with DeAndre Hopkins. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're you know, some people are discounting him just way too much based on the loss of DeAndre Hopkins, which we should discount him in some way. But I, I think that people are, are, are overstating that a bit. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. And, you know, the variance and outcomes with these quarterbacks, I mean, at the end of the year, a lot of them are going to be lumped in around the same statistically around 4000 yards, you know, 24 to 27 touchdowns. Um, so, you know, again, Deshaun could really finish as, you know, the QB two. Uh, that is in his range of outcomes, QB1. You know, it, it's in his range of outcomes. Um, so, you know, and I think that this offense is kind of slept on right now. So I think it's just something to bring to light. Um, so going to number seven, I actually have Drew Brees. Um, and that's probably higher than I've ever ranked Drew Brees, in, you know, or in a long time anyway. But he just had such a good start last season. I mean, he has you know, these target monsters in Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, some of the best pass catchers at their positions. Um, And then Jared Cook, you bring in Emmanuel Sanders, um, you know, just with this scheme, it seems just effortless that Drew Brees is going to give you 30 touchdowns if he plays a full 16. So I I, I have him at seven. Nice. JJ, who's your number seven? I have Josh Allen at seven. um, And it's really just based on the fact that when I get to that point in drafts, I'm not really taking Josh Allen for the for, for the record based on his ADP. But when, right. when I when, when I when I get to that point in drafts, you know, if Josh Allen let's say falls like the ninth or tenth round or something like that, because you're in a, a draft where, or even the eleventh or whatever, because you're in a draft where people aren't drafting quarterbacks early, um, you know, at that point, I'm I'm looking really for upside and and looking for guys who. Um, you know, ha- have the rushing floor, which he certainly has. You know, we've seen him score. He's essentially their goal line back as well. Um, but you know, you have to ask the the questions of what if he does take a step forward with his arm and he does progress as a player with Stefan Diggs there. Um, and and we might say that's that's unlikely because Josh Allen hasn't shown that much. He's been a really inaccurate deep ball passer, even though he has this big arm. Um, but if you can still look at his situation and say he has a decent ceiling. I mean, it's no different than the way that people viewed Lamar Jackson last year. Um, obviously the, the floor is a lot different from a rushing standpoint. Um, but a lot of people were questioning what Lamar Jackson could do with his arm. Um, what happens if Josh Allen takes a step forward and progresses? I'm not saying that he's going to do what Lamar Jackson did last year. I'm not a big fan of, of Josh Allen, the quarterback. I'm much more of a fan of, of him as a fantasy quarterback, but I think that in his range of outcomes is a, higher end QB one season. And that's why I have him ranked at seven. 
I'm all over the place when it comes to Allen. I don't know, man. Like I had him at, I think seven or eight at one point. And then I redid my rankings and I brought him all the way down to 16. Um, It's, it's just so, there's no consistency there. I think I need help with Josh Allen. I know I'm not drafting him in a lot of places. I think his ADP is a little too high. I think he's one of the, like, he's not one of the first quarterbacks taken, but he's almost in that second tier of quarterbacks taken in drafts. So it kind of just makes me, you know, I'll just wait on Matthew Stafford or someone like that. That's just kind of how I feel about him. Um, Josh, do you, uh, who was your uh, seventh quarterback? Uh, Believe it or not, a guy that just, I do quarterback rankings every year and no matter how I spin it, this guy always ends up at number seven in my rankings and it's Matt Ryan. And I mean, just looking at where he is, the the volume that this passing offense is going to have, you know, they, I mean, we know they're going to chuck it. Uh, You know, they have a couple of stud targets there in, you know, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. And, you know, one might be kind of descending, one might be ascending, but nevertheless, you know, they're both studs. Uh, They replace their, you know, Pro Bowl tight end with Hayden Hurst, who is, you know, first round pedigree, who, in my opinion, has a a fantastic case to be a breakout this season and uh, unfortunately missed out on him in uh, Scott Fishbowl. But the just looking at what's been done a typical Matt Ryan season is 27 touchdowns and 12 picks. And you're going to get about between 42 and 4,300 yards. Uh, So for me, that's something that's been so consistent and reliable that I feel like I can put him at number seven with confidence. And, you know, maybe he finishes as a top 10 and not, not quite to that, uh, to that seven spot, but a couple top two finishes in the last four seasons you know, the the ceiling is definitely there for Matt Ryan. So um, I, I'm higher on him than most, but I do love me some Matt Ryan this year. Yeah, if you think Calvin Ridley is going to hit this year, I think that you need to be high on Matt Ryan. Um, so that just kind of goes hand in hand, like depending on how you feel about Calvin Ridley, I guess. Yeah, um, and I do. So, I mean, so that yeah. would make sense. <laughs> right. And then, well, then you bring in Todd Gurley, um, who can be, you know, or has been a proven pass catcher in this league. Um, and then, of course, like you mentioned, Hayden Hurst. So, sure, yeah, I, I really – I see the ceiling there for Matt Ryan, who isn't on my list. Um, but I think that's just part of my perennial disrespect of Matt Ryan. So, I actually have Tom Brady at eight. And, you know, I, I think I'm buying into the Buccaneers this year. Um, I'm buying into 600 pass attempts. I know that. And Tom Brady threw 613 pass attempts last year. So, I know he can do that. And Jameis Winston threw 626 last year for the Bucks, So I think he's just walking into that. That's the volume he's going to get. Um, they're going to cater to Brady as far as, you know, the middle of the field with uh, Rob Gronkowski, with uh, Godwin out of the slot, and then also O.J. Howard, who people have just forgotten about altogether, who I think is going to be pretty valuable for Brady. Um, and of course, Mike Evans. I mean, he just has a lot of weapons in the Bruce Arians offense. Um, so I, I think he can still compete as long as they can protect him. Um, and if he gets 600 pass attempts, then yeah, he, he's my eighth quarterback. And then JJ, who is your eight? I have Tom Brady at eight also. Um, I basically have like a massive cluster of quarterbacks here uh, in, in terms of, of tiering. Um, yeah. But, you know, the way that I, I really view 
the 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 traditional pocket passers, the guys who aren't giving you points with with what they can do with their legs. You know, obviously, I rank Josh Allen at QB seven, a uh, guy who can who the first two years of his career has gotten five hundred plus rushing yards, and that's usually uh, a sign of of being a top five uh, top five or six fantasy quarterback year in and year out. Um, but once you kind of remove that and you don't have that anymore with these players, and this is the first year I can remember where the quarterback market feels very, very efficient because of mm-hmm. that, because everyone's ranking those quarterbacks high. Whereas, you know, in previous years, we've been able to exploit that a bit. So what you're looking at with these traditional po- pocket passers is, you know, you're really buying into who can have somewhat of an outlier season in terms of touchdown rate. Um, and guys who, uh, you know, ha- so basically I'm going to look at guys who are talented, uh, but guys who also have. Uh, really strong red zone weapons and 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 guys that they can throw to when in the red zone, which is why to me Tom Brady makes sense. You know, would it shock anyone if Tom Brady walks away from this season with 35 touchdowns? You know, it'd be it would be a high end uh, range of outcome for him. Um, right. But but it's still a, a very plausible and possible thing given the weapons that he's throwing to, and that's really really what you need for a lot of these guys to pay off is that sort of outlier. You know, we see it all the time. We saw it with Matt Ryan the year that he was the MVP. Uh, we saw it even last year when when Drew Brees came back from his injury, um, and he was the QB two and fan well uh, QB three behind Ryan Tannehill technically, but uh, he was essentially you know top three quarterback was Lamar Jackson a huge gap and then sort of Brees and Tannehill down the second half of the season, um, but Brees had a seven point one percent touchdown rate last year, which was well above his his uh, career average, his yards per touchdown pass. Uh, was a lot lower than what he's seen traditionally. And so that that's, you know, that, that's something that generally regresses a bit. And that's a reason why, sure, Breeze can hit that again and he can get to that point. But, um, you know, you, you need that kind of performance from these traditional pocket passers. And I'm going to buy then into the weapons that these guys have around them as a result of that. So that's why I have Tom Brady ranked eight. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, I, I think that people are buying into that quarterback for sure, uh, especially in the Scott Fishbowl where Drew Brees is going in the second round, the Tom Brady is going in like the third or fourth. Um, so people are really buying into the older pocket passer quarterback uh, where in you know years past, like two years ago, that wouldn't be the case. Um, Josh, who's your eighth quarterback? Yeah, real quick. Um, I yeah. completely agree with that. That's why I went uh, with Brees, the scoring format with the uh, QB efficiency, uh, seems to be kind of, uh, you know, the big deal. Uh, we can kind of, hopefully we have time to get into that maybe for some late QB targets in this format. Um, and sp- speaking of that, breaking, uh, take a break from the rankings. I have some breaking Scott Fishbowl news. Uh, I, I did I did come up on the clock, and Steve, you know, I've been texting. I did, uh, at the 9-10 turn, I was able to snag Janu. Uh, so I got uh, my first tight end. He was the tight end 15 taken in this, uh, in this division. And uh, with the 1001, uh, you know, I went back to the stable and got our boy Michael Gallup. So, <laughs> so that's uh, so that's a quick update so to you, the uh, the roster. You elected to add to the stable over Debo, so you went Gallup over Debo. Yeah, I did. I like uh, just the the foot injuries scare me. I know we talked about it a little bit on the tight ends episode with Debo. Um, I still haven't changed the way I feel about that, and uh, so I'm just going to go with. The I, I feel like he's you know got some tremendous upside and uh, and potential on top of that. Uh, so not only is he safe, I I do think he's got a little bit more uh, home run upside just because all the times we've seen uh, Dak slightly overthrow Gallup. Um, I right. think we're gonna get uh, I think we're gonna connect on a few more of these this year. I already mentioned I think Dak's gonna be a little more efficient. And getting back to the quarterback rankings talk here, uh, number eight. 
I had Josh Allen. And then after Josh Allen, like JJ was saying, there's just this humongous cluster of quarterbacks and a couple guys that I think kind of have, uh, I don't know, tied at my number nine, if you want to say that, instead of nine and 10, is Carson Wentz and Matt Stafford. I mean, both of these guys have shown ability to carry their teams uh, as recently as last season. Uh, you know, if they wouldn't have gone down with injuries, uh, fit, you know, Eagles fans know all about the injuries from last year. So that's that's kind of the root of the issues there on why I feel like uh, Wentz is getting the, the short end of the stick. And, of course, Matt Stafford going down uh, with the back injury here halfway through the season. But uh, some encouraging things coming out as far as both of the quarterbacks concerned, not only from the Philly camp, but uh, Stefania Bell also saying that she's not worried about uh, Matt Stafford's back at all coming into 2020, uh, which is great. He was on his way to another 5,000-yard season. And, uh, you know, that, like I said, the MVP chatter, uh, the, both these guys were getting it before they went down last year. So uh, definitely something to be said uh, with a, help, a healthy complement of receivers. Of course, Philly adding just a ton of field stretchers. Uh, who knows if uh, after uh, this week's Deshaun Jackson comments, if he'll be on the field. But this team actually has legitimate depth at the receiver so they don't have to play guys like Fred Ward or uh actually I think Fred Ward is the guy from like uh Road Trip and uh, <laughs> Tremors uh that I'm, th- yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking Ward. of a different Greg Ward. yeah Greg Greg Ward yeah sorry you can IMDB Fred Ward and you guys will know you guys will be like oh yeah he's, I've seen a thousand movies with him um shout out to Fred Ward if you're listening. wait was but, he in uh, was he in Naked Gun 33rd and a third was he in that one? Oh, dude he's been in like Okay. Like, I'm not joking, like probably three, 300 movies that you and I would know for sure. Um, okay. Low key parts, low key parts, but definitely I'm sure is li- living comfortably. Uh, <laughs> but Good to know. anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. he yeah, wasn't a naked gun movie. Sorry. He was. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I, I steered us off the rails, but, uh, but yeah, shout out to Fred Ward for real. Uh, but no, after, <laughs> after like the, you know, went Stafford, you know, those guys kind of round out my top 10. JJ, uh, what are your thoughts on Matthew Stafford going into this year? Did he make your t- top 10? He didn't make my top 10, but he's still part of this like giant cluster uh, you know, of guys. I have my, my final couple are Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan, but you can put Drew Brees in there. You can put Aaron Rodgers in there if you wanted to. You can put Stafford in there. Uh, yeah. the, re- you know, the, the thing with Stafford that I really liked from last year is that Daryl Bevel comes into town and Stafford throws it deep, 15-plus air yards on, at, at his highest rate of his career by far. Um, and we saw that translate then to the stat sheet. You know, I do think there's going to be some regression there. Um, but at the same time, you know, he, he at least showed that ceiling. And I think he's, again, one of those pocket passers that you would want to target uh, because of the weapons that are around him. He has some of the better weapons in the league. So I can't, again, can't fault anyone for uh, whether it's Stafford, whether it's Matt Ryan, whether it's Tom Brady, Drew Brees any of those guys towards the bottom, you know, bottom half of the, the QB one rankings can't fault for, for having those guys there at all. What are your thoughts on Wentz? Do you, do you see like a, a big ceiling for him or do you think that he's going to be like a lower end QB one? Uh, I, I think that he's, he's just a safe option. Um, you know, we've seen some, some rushing juice from him as well, um, yeah. which, which isn't bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's he's more of a safe option. I do think that if something goes down with the the Djax uh, drama that's happening right now, and 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 rightfully so, the drama is happening. Um, you know, if something does happen to De- to Deshaun Jackson, that would likely change the way that I view Carson Wentz because Deshaun Jackson makes an entire offense a lot more efficient. We've seen that at every right. stop of his career, so I think that would easily make Carson Wentz more of a high end QB two, and then allow guys like Stafford or whoever. Uh, to jump in there and, and be ranked ahead of them. 
Yeah, I'm glad you guys like share my struggle with this, these QB rankings because I have Stafford and Wentz at 11 and 12. I wanted to put them in my top 10. Like I love both. And then like Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, they're not even in my top 12, you know, which is might some people might say that's ridiculous, but I think we're all kind of in agreement. Rodgers and Matt Ryan could both be, you know, nine or 10, um, depending on the finish. And then at the end of the year, statistically, it's just going to be around the same, you know, like pretty close. Um, but I, I have Daniel Jones at nine and, you know, I, I just like um, Daniel Jones upside a lot, you know, in 12 games, he had 279 rushing yards. So, you know, kind of like Gardner Minshew, there, there's a sneaky rushing up uh, floor with him. And then you give him Saquon Barkley. Um, if, if you can give him over a hundred targets again, uh, which we saw in, in Saquon's rookie year, um, that's just also adds to the floor of Daniel Jones. And then those 24 TDs in 12 starts. So, you know, you, you like to see that. I just, I really like the, the core of receivers he has. I've talked about a lot on the show and, um, you know, I also, uh, don't think the Giants defense is going to be very good. So again, a lot of passing, um, you know, the Giants were eighth in pass attempts per game. Um, so, you know, I really, I'm big on Daniel Jones. I think putting him at nine is just kind of just making sure I know to draft him. <laughs> like, cause I think that that can be where he ends up. Um, and I know that he's not going to be, you know, drafted as such, obviously. And then I have Joe Burrow. I have Joe Burrow at 10. So two guys that like, I, I just think that, you know, they could easily be on anyone's rankings at 16 or 17, 18, whatever. Uh, but for me, I just think that the upside is there for Burrow. Again, a, a guy who I think is going to throw for 600 uh, pass attempts. Uh, Cincinnati was sixth in pass attempts per game last year. So Andy Dalton actually threw the ball a lot. Uh, and then he went down and I guess it was what Ryan Finley passed the ball a lot, whatever. They all passed the ball a lot in Cincinnati because the defense is atrocious. Um, even so Joe Mixon still didn't get the targets he should have gotten, which is just really depressing when you look at how much they actually passed the ball and how little they passed the ball to Joe Mixon. Um, but you know, with again, you know, the offense, AJ, AJ Green, uh, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, T Higgins, you know, that's just a lot of weapons for Joe Burrow who's coming off of championship season um just a lot of swag swagger behind that so i think you know the offense is already catered towards him so it's just a really good fit um jj i would love to get your thoughts on joe burrow real quick yeah i I love burrow uh he's one of my you know later after this qb1 uh uh range uh the the guys that, that we're talking about today uh he's one of those players i think him and Tannehill both have the rushing upside um Uh, and we've seen the efficiency and the upside with Tannehill, obviously. Uh, but with Burrow, he has sneaky athleticism. He actually had really good rushing numbers in college. Um, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if we see uh, you know, three hundred ish rushing yards from him, which is going to give him that nice, you know, Gardner Minshew type floor. Um, but then obviously the ceiling is just crazy, just given the weapons that are there and, and his potential in the league. So I, I like Burrow a lot as a late round quarterback. And you know, if you're in a redraft league where a quarterback is fairly replaceable. Uh, he's not a bad target because you know that if he doesn't pan out, that's not the biggest deal in the world. You're in the 11th round in a single QB league and you haven't drafted a quarterback yet. Would you, who would you get Daniel Jones or Joe Burrow? I'm still going Daniel Jones. Um, just, just because, you know, I, I, we we saw a a lot of rushing upside with him last year too. Um, and he's obviously not a rookie either. We don't necessarily see rookies, uh, rookie quarterbacks, um, especially guys who aren't necessarily, you know, the super athlete, you know, the Cam Newtons or Kyler Murray's of the world um, end up panning out at a, a really high rate. 
Uh, at least Daniel Jones has the the year under his belt. Pretty good weapons there. And then we, you know, like I said, we we saw last season he had three thirty plus point games. Um, we saw the ceiling with Jones. So I'd rather I'd rather shoot for that upside. Yeah, and then just to reiterate, man, Giants have so many weapons with Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, all very good receivers. And then you get Evan Ingram, who's an elite tight end at, you know, when he's healthy, obviously, and then Saquon Barkley. So it's just a lot to work with uh, with a really bad defense. So it's just a nice equation for fantasy points. Let's talk about one quarterback that didn't make our list that, you know, we would like draft late and feel okay about. Um, Josh, I'll start it off with you. Yeah, you know, it's funny because we were talking about like 12. Hey, if we have time to go over 12 quarterbacks, I mean, we basically did because we talked about like the same 12 quarterbacks. One guy we didn't talk about that has been getting a lot of discussion. uh, We we talked about it briefly last week is Cam Newton. Um, You know, I mentioned on our episode last week that I'm not scared to draft him. Um, You know, super tempted to put him, you know, right there at 10 in my rankings, but I have him still just like QB 13. Um, he might sneak up into that, you know, 12 range, something like that, 11, 12. But, um, you know, I got him just outside right now. But he's, you know, just without rehashing last week's episode, I mean, everywhere he's been, you know, he he's just he hasn't had a big complimenter of weapons. Uh, and right. if there's any team that I think can customize an offense around a player, it's the Patriots. So I definitely like his. Uh, potential or I shouldn't say potential but um, you know his his opportunity going forward this week um, you know we I wanted to see him go to go to New England pretty much since Brady signed with with Tampa so this uh, I think it's a great fit I think it's going to work out great and you know to like I said March he's probably just going to get an MVP or a a, not MVP but a Pro Bowl uh, season under his belt and you know Patriots just pay him peanuts and Somebody will give him thirty million a year starting next year. So we'll uh, we'll just we'll just act like we're not surprised, I guess. Oh, and just think what happens when David and Joku is traded to the Patriots. <laughs> oh, I already did that. So, <laughs> uh, JJ, uh, one uh, late round QB that it didn't make your list, but you would feel good about drafting as your QB one. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot. I, I like the Cam Newton call. I actually have Newton ranked at QB 12, I think, right now, just because, again, when I'm looking late in drafts, I'm strictly looking at upside. You know, my projections have Cam coming out as like QB 18, uh, but that's also a conservative projection because it's not giving him, a, you know, the 95 to 97% of the team snaps. It's more like 90%. Um, and the rushing upside, you know, isn't isn't baked into that as strongly as it could, as what we could see come to fruition. So, I like Cam and, and Cam in week one gets Miami, I believe. So, uh, you know, he Ooh. could be a decent, a decent streamer there too. So if you're going into the season with that late round quarterback sort of approach and idea that you're going to stream in a worst case scenario, Cam's not a bad, uh, a bad guy to target. My, my fear with Cam though, is that once we start to see football being played in some way and we get more and more reports, his ADP is just going to rise. Um, so he might not be as late as we would want. Uh, I still, you know, I, I like Joe Burrow who we talked about. I like also, you know, the the idea of regression is definitely there for the Titans offense, but uh, Ryan Tannehill is still kind of intriguing to me. Um, you know, I, I, I say this, I think, on like every show that I talk about quarterbacks, but uh, like three or four years ago, uh, based on what Ryan Tannehill did last year, he would have been like a QB six this year in, in, uh, in rankings, you know, three or four years ago, the way the fantasy community uh, would just basically take what happened the previous year and make it into their rankings the next year. Um, But there is there's some obvious regression that's coming, but I'm just surprised that people have taken it to such an extreme 
where he's, you know, the QB 20, sometimes 22 in drafts when the second half of last year, you know, of course he played out of his mind, uh, but he was still, he was a QB two in fantasy football, the second half of last year. Um, so he has that upside. He has that potential decent weapons there too, has the rushing upside. I still think Tannehill, even though regression is hitting is still a decent value right now. Yeah, no one year is like the other. If you look at like just 2018 and the quarterbacks, I mean, statistically, they were, you know, so many 30 touchdown seasons. And then it just wasn't the case last year. A lot had to do with injuries. Um, We saw just a lot of injuries. Of course, Tannehill, Daniel Jones, a lot of these guys came in late into the season or later into the season uh, than week one anyway. So, yeah, no, Tannehill, uh, just a guy who's being slept on, you can get for free, uh, which is really nice. Um, and I love that Cam Newton uh, playing Miami week one. I mean, if you're drafting a quarterback late, you have to go in with the approach of you might be streaming that position. So, you know, week one is obviously a must hit. Uh, and that's why I'm just going to mention Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, I can hear the groans. I can actually hear the groans when I say that name because no one likes Jimmy Garoppolo um, in the fantasy community. But I mean, he did have 27 touchdowns last season. Like he was pretty efficient actually for a offense that doesn't pass a lot. Um, but he gets Arizona week one at home. I mean, what, what more do you want from a guy you can just draft at the end of your draft and play Arizona? I mean, that's just a great streaming option. Well, then he has the Jets in week two, the Giants week three, the Eagles week four, and then Miami in week five. So you're getting five weeks. You can start him. Um, I, I just think that Garoppolo is a great, great value. And then, of course, you have George Kittle. You have all these playmakers um, you know, out there for him. So I, I'm, I'm just behind that for a guy. I'm probably going to draft him as my QB2 in, in Scott Fishbowl. I'm pretty, pretty sure I'm going to do that. I like that. I like that a lot, man. Speaking of Scott Fishbowl, JJ, I had one real quick question since we got a couple minutes left here. Yeah. Do, uh, so like last year, you know, we just talked about Tannehill. He was a guy that was kind of like a savior in a league this deep. Um, you know, being that it is super flex and a lot of people want to get like that third QB on their team, um, getting into the, when you're starting to get into the second half of the draft here, uh, I'm just curious, you know, since I'm at the turn, I might kind of play it safe and go with like a tie rod and a Justin Herbert situation. Like I personally feel like uh, Justin Herbert could be the next Josh Allen or Daniel Jones. I mean, he kind of fits the bill to, to me to kind of take those next steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's your opinion on the Chargers quarterback situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's a terrible spot, first off, for for a quarterback. Um, you know, generally speaking, too, we see we, we always overestimate how long the uh, existing quarterback is going to be starter when a team takes a for especially an early first round pick. Um, a good example of that is Daniel Jones. But um, in this case, you know, it's it's one where, uh, you know, Tyrod likely won't be the starter as long as people think. I do think that there's a little bit of funkiness to it just because of the way that the season's kind of playing out right now um, and, the, the you know, the lack of reps, etc., um, but generally speaking, we see these guys jump in under center a lot sooner than later. Um, so I actually, you know, I, I don't mind Tyrod in a format where you can easily replace the position. Um, but I think Herbert's probably the better, like longer play in like a super flex format, just because you're going to likely get him, uh, you know, towards the end of the year when you're going to need that production as opposed to the front half of the year. And I just don't think that, that we're going to see Tyrod, you know, just based on history, you know, we're going to see a guy like Tyrod be the, the starting quarterback for that long. Of course, it can 
go any way, especially this year, just given the unpredictability of things. But um, I'd rather just sort of anchor the back half of my season and in the playoffs as opposed to the front half. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I, I know a lot of people, including myself, were able to do that down the stretch with Drew Locke and just kind of keeping him stashed. Um, so hopefully something like that can play out. Uh, and, you know, one, one of us or all of us are, uh, are dancing at the end of the Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, I mean, just two years ago, it happened to Tyrod. We saw it happen where Baker came in and like Tyrod wasn't playing terrible, you know. So what happens when he does, you know, start off maybe 0-3, they're going to go to Justin Herbert. Uh, JJ Zacharyson of Number Fire, uh, the late round pod. Um, just tell everyone where they can find your stuff, man. What's going on at Number Fire right now? Yeah, so all my written stuff is over on Number Fire, and then uh, I have my podcast, the late round podcast that uh, that I do a couple times a week. Fantastic, yeah, Josh. Anything before we get out of here, buddy? No, just uh, happy to be in the middle of Scott Fishbowl season here. I know somebody's, uh, some of these teams are drafting a little slower than others. Just, just a little PSA, just be a little patient, you know, be kind. Uh, you know, not everybody is just sitting by the computer ready to fire off a, a pick or two. Um, that's why they have an eight-hour timer. So just, just be nice. <laughs> yeah, be kind to these people. Yeah, everyone, everyone's trying. We're all in this together. Um, yeah, have fun out there on Twitter. Um, you know, check out all the, the rosters going on in the Scott Fishbowl. Of course, donate uh, PayPal, SFB Polyphon, and fantasycares.net. And then, of course, uh, go over to playerprofiler.com. Check out the world famous draft kit. You can see some of my work over there. Uh, on behalf of JJ Zacharyson and Josh Daly, my name is Steven Taroni. Thanks for listening. This has been the Hot Take Podcast.